0: of uncertainty our faith can struggle our walk becomes labored our heart heavy there's something about the unknown which seems to weaken us it drains our patience and blurs our focus yet in the middle of everything stands a faithful God A God who's not swayed by the struggle, who isn't moved by the winds of chaos. A God who remains faithful, even when our faith is fragile. It seems more difficult than ever to not worry about tomorrow. Yet that's exactly what God has asked us to do. For when we cast our burdens on Him, the troubles of the moment begin to fade. When we trust the plans He has for us, our fear begins to subside. When we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, our focus becomes consumed by clarity. Yes, we are in the midst of uncertainty, but we can be certain of one thing, God He's faithful, and that is more than enough for tomorrow.
1: Announcement for you. VBS is coming. It is so soon. It is June 13th through the 17th. So if you guys have kiddos, please sign up in the back. If you want to help, we can always use a lot of extra help. So it's a lot of kiddos to manage. So please sign up in the back if you'd like to help. And let's just worship the Lord this morning, all right? we're just going to continue worshiping this morning, and part of that worship is just showing you guys all the ways you can give here at Southwoods. And they'll put them up up on the screen, but you can drop it by in person. You can give online or just send it through the mail. And just know that all the ways that you give really bless all the people in our community and all across the world. So let's just continue to worship the Lord this morning and, and just give back to Him. the name of Jesus. Father, and we know that you're there. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to think about you as an absent God. God, that you are living and present and working and healing. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You go and have a seat. We're just going to sing one more song this morning, and after that, we're going to take communion. And if you need um, a cup of bread and juice, they're in the back if you didn't grab one on your way in because we just want everyone to participate this morning. The Bible talks about coming together and sharing in that communion and spending time remembering who he is and what he did. So if you need that, go ahead and grab it. Um, But we're just going to sing this next song before we do that. And I think we've been talking about the name of Jesus this morning. And a lot of what this song talks about is our response to him and his greatness. He is so holy, He has done so many cool things, and I think this song really emphasizes that, and then it, it gives us this opportunity to respond, to say, so will I. I'll do those things to you, God, because you took that step and you did that for me. That's what I wanna do for you too. So we're gonna sing this song together. You're welcome to sit or stand or kneel. I just want you to turn your heart towards the Father and just give that back to Him. If you wanna say, so will I, just sing that out from your soul, okay? i Of us needs to worry about that because you see us and you know us and you love us. God, soften our hearts today. Turn them back towards you. God, wherever we are this morning, God, that that would be the cry of our hearts. So will I. All the things you've done, all the things you do, all the things you're going to do, God, that we are a part of that. We want to be right in step with you, Father. Bless us, God. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can go and take communion.
2: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Happy Sunday. Turn this around where you can see Bloom. It's kind of pretty. It's good to see you uh, today. I've got uh, my wife with me today, which is wonderful. So she's a visitor today. So uh, she was stuck in Israel, most of you know, and uh, there are worse places to be stuck, I can assure you, and she would admit that as well. But it's been uh, not been pleasant as she was stuck in COVID quarantine there. And is doing well at this point and uh, so thank you for praying for her and uh, thrilled to have you here so I'm thankful for that so uh, you know I thought that was me for just a moment so sorry it's time to begin that's what that was a cue for well maybe you knew this uh, and I did but I just hadn't thought about it a lot uh, until here lately did you know that in our day it's possible to buy friends. Did you know that? At least when it comes to social media, you can, right? You're, you're familiar with that. You know, I ran across a website this past week. I don't know if you've, any of you have ever seen it before. It's 500views.com, if you wanna go look at it. It's 500views.com, it's one of many websites like it. But it's a site where people or companies can go and they purchase for the social media platform of their choice, likes or views or followers, or subscribers. For a fee, people will make comments on your YouTube video. For a fee, they will share your TikTok video, if you're one of the TikTok dancers, or whatever, the, you know all the things are out there. For example, uh, for $20, you can buy 1,000 likes for your Facebook page. Then when everybody looks at your Facebook page, they just think, wow, she's really got friends. You know, she's really somebody special, or he's really somebody special. You know, for $40, $40 you can buy 1,000 followers for your Twitter account. You know, the website was unclear if there's a discount for volume purchases or not. But here's what was clear to me as I browsed the site. It's all fake. The likes, the views, the followers, the subscribers purchased on their site are all fake. Oh, they're real accounts because they will create these fake accounts. But did you hear what I said? They're all fake. They're all artificial. They're not real. If you don't pay them, guess what? They're not going to follow you. It's the way it works. As we've been talking last week and this week, never in the history of the earth had there been more fake artificial services and products, (laughs) never more artificial products in all the history of the earth than right now. Right now. If you missed last week's message, go back and listen to it. I enumerate many of them at the beginning of the message. Just go listen to that. Because what's desperately needed in our times is authenticity and truth. And in particular, we need to develop, we who... Claim and want to be followers of Jesus, we need to develop a genuine discerning, discerning, growing faith. Because what's fake in the realm of faith in the Spirit can hurt you. It really can. Last week we started this series, as I already mentioned, it's entitled Fact Checking Your Faith. And just as marketing and news needs to be fact-checked regularly in our day is just almost daily, you got to figure this out. In the same way, our faith and our values, our spiritual convictions need to be fact-checked regularly. We've got to be doing that because if we don't do that, our faith runs the risk of becoming artificial and fake like just so much of the world around us. It's so easy, so comfortable. It is so socially acceptable and the norm that if we don't do this regularly, uh, we'll end up just as fake as so many other things in our world. So our series is based on the biblical book of 2 Peter in the New Testament. If you're unfamiliar with the book, Um, I think by the time we get to the end of the series, you'll be pretty familiar with it. We just finished 1 Peter, most of you know, uh, a a few weeks ago, and we just kind of picked up with 2 Peter. And if we take what 2 Peter has to say to us to heart, it's going to help all of us gain some much-needed clarity on what's fact and what's fiction about our lives, about our world, about our future. It addresses a whole lot of subjects, a whole lot of issues, that we need to be talking about, thinking about, wrestling with in our time. And I hope for the next few weeks you'll just read 2 Peter, at least read it through. And I would encourage you, kind of like some, many of you did during 1 Peter, sit down at one sitting, you can open the book, you can read all three chapters. How many chapters? Three. 2 Peter's faster than 1 Peter to read. So just sit down, read it through, beginning to end. I'd encourage you to do it a few times. You know, Maybe do it once a week as we go through the series here. If you'll do that and reflect deeply on what it has to say, uh, there'll be some things there that maybe make you a little nervous, unnerve you a little bit, because as you'll see, as we go through the series, there's, there's some stuff there that makes us think. But if you'll do it, It'll help to prepare your soul to be real and genuine and authentic in your faith. And I think it'll really bless your life in the long run. So I just encourage you, join us for the next several weeks. Just please commit, commit with me to being here on site, online. Don't miss a single message in this series, not because it's me doing it, but because we need to hear what this passage, this book, has to say to us in our times. These rapidly changing times demand that we fact-check our faith in the ways that it talks about. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, open it with me to the New Testament book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter, it's far into the back of your Bible. If you don't have your own Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen. Before we read, though, I just want to remind you that last week we saw in the first several verses of 2 Peter that developing a genuine, growing faith requires a few things. And this is part two of a two-part message. So last week, what we talked about was a growing, genuine faith requires sincerely coming to Jesus. We talked about that. It requires trusting in God's promises. That one in particular, as I was speaking and talking about that, I I could feel, as we were doing that, just challenging some of us. If you missed the message, it's worth the introduction and that, okay? Go back and listen to it. It's about sincerely learning to trust God's promises. It's about working harder at faith development. That's sort of the third requirement there. There are probably other things in those verses, but those are the main ones that we hit on. And today, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And as we read the text together, I just invite you to listen carefully how to develop a genuine growing faith. What does the Apostle Peter in Scripture tell us about God's perspective on this? 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 12. Okay? You there? This is what the text says. Therefore, which anytime you know, a passage starts with therefore, he's building on what's just been said, right? This is the way it always is in the text. He's building on what he's already said, which we talked about last week. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them and are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. Now just pause right there. How many of us like to be reminded of what we already know? Sometimes it's annoying, right? It's kind of like, in our culture, it's like we're we're the microwave culture we want you better yet the tweet gener- you know if it, if you can't say it in 6 seconds or 140 or 180 characters whichever it is on the tweet then you know we're not listening we're we're we don't and so what's peter doing here he's reminding us and he just uh, so some of us just immediately go to pedantic land it's like it's like oh no he's going to just keep telling us what we already heard look what he says about it though he said verse 13 it's only right that I should keep on reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me, and then he kind of explains a little more why, shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life so I will work hard to make sure you will always remember these things after I'm gone. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw His majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Because of that experience, we have even greater confidence in the message proclaimed by the prophets. You must pay close attention to what they wrote, for their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and Christ the morning star shines in your hearts. Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God." Let's bow our heads and pray together, and then uh, we'll unpack all of this. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. We thank you for this passage of Scripture. We ask, Lord, for insight from your Holy Spirit. Speak in spite of me and with me, and I pray that you'll speak to each of our hearts and lives in such a way that we'll understand more fully how to develop a genuine, growing faith Its foundation is you. It's Christ. It's Christ. The death, burial, resurrection of Christ. Help us, Father, get our minds, our hearts authentically around this. We'll rejoice to be your children. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, in these verses, the Apostle Peter tells his readers a lot of things. He tells his readers back then, his readers now, Three basic facts that are foundational to developing a genuine, growing faith. And for the next few minutes, I want to highlight these basic facts. Uh, Because again, what's fake about our faith can really hurt us, short-term and long-term. So this is important. The first basic fact that this passage addresses is this, that, that is that we all need spiritual reminders. We all need spiritual reminders, and particularly when they come from people of sincere faith. I want you to think about this with me. We, we don't like reminders a lot of times, but it's important that we get them. And I want you to think, why do you and I need alarms? Why do we need a reminders? You know, I got to hold up her phone and just say, why do we need reminders of this kind of thing, you know, for our to-do lists? Why do we need reminders of certain calendar events, like wedding anniversaries, like upcoming physicals or dental appointments and so on? What? Why do we need reminders? You know why. I mean, you and I need reminders because we're forgetful, right? We're forgetful. We're easily distracted. We're preoccupied with lots and lots of needs and interests and And a to-do list, reminders, what they represent for us, if we're really thinking about it, is a commitment on our part to not forgetting important things. That's what they really represent. It's just you and me saying, I'm forgetful, I need reminding. I need it. I'm going to humble myself, admit I need reminders, I need alarms, I need somebody bringing to my mind things that, otherwise sort of leak out or flit away well friends let me remind you of something very important something that we need to never forget and that is easy to forget in our fast-paced me-oriented consumer-oriented kind of culture you and I are always always one heartbeat away from nothing being more important to us than our spiritual lives Did you grasp what I just said? It's a reminder we need to never forget. You and I are always one heartbeat away from nothing being more important to us than our spiritual lives. Which means that even when our lives and our faith are on solid ground, regardless of how pedantic it seems, regardless if it's a passage or a text or a principle or anything like that that maybe we know of, If we want our lives to be authentic, we need need to embrace spiritual reminders. Why? So we avoid spiritual drift. It's the natural tendency. Drift is the natural tendency in a culture like ours. Because of that, Peter committed himself to providing spiritual reminders to the believers of his day. Reminders that we all need. He writes this in verse 15. He says it this way. He says, I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things after I'm gone. What's he talking about? You realize that 2 Peter exists in the Bible because the apostle Peter kept his word right there in verse 15. It's part of his faith-filled legacy of reminders written for you, written for me, written for the people of his generation as well. He just understood what we all need to grasp and accept, and that is that we all need spiritual reminders all the time. And I should add that like Peter, all of us need to be routinely reminding the people around us Of spiritual things. We need to remind them of authenticity and the importance of that. We need to remind them of spiritual truth. We need to remind them of how to develop genuine, growing faith in their lives. If we had time, we'd talk about the complete role of what church attendance, small group fellowship, all these kind of things is about. It's about mutually reminding each other and encouraging each other to walk in obedience and faith. You realize Hebrews 10 says this, verse 24, 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of His return is drawing nearer. In Scriptures in this place and numerous others are just saying when we, when we gather in a place like this, it's, it's for the purpose of spiritual reminders is a big part of it. So that we remember it's like the alarm bell on your phone just reminding you say, oh, that's right. This is really important. Nothing more important in your life. Your one heartbeat away from this being the absolute most important thing that's going on. So prioritize this. It's, it's kind of what it's a reminder of. And the Apostle Peter is, is reminding us of that in the text why you need a small group Bible study it's why you need to be here it's why if you can't be here you need to be online with us you need routine reminders of this we're being reminded of what's important and that benefits us benefits others hopefully it benefits others because we're not only being reminded ourselves but we're reminding them everywhere we go everybody we meet brings us to a second basic fact that's foundational to developing a genuine growing faith it's not just about spiritual reminders though that's a big deal we all need to regularly hear testimonies of faith we all all need to routinely regularly hear testimonies of faith and again particularly from those who are sincere in their faith. We don't need testimonies from people who are just making stuff up. We need, we need the real thing. Peter shared one of his many testimonies of faith in the text that we read a few moments ago. Verses 16 and following, he writes these words. Look at them again. Verse, uh, 2 Peter 1:16. he says, For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pause right there. Why would he say we're not making up clever stories? Some people are, but we'll talk about that next week, and the week after that, and the week after that, okay? Three weeks, starting next week, about this. But he's saying, we're not making up stuff here. This is is the, the, what we told you was real. And then he illustrates. He says, we saw... His majestic splendor with our own eyes. We saw Christ's majestic splendor with our own eyes. He's an eyewitness to this. He says in verse 17, When he received honor and glory from God the Father, the voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, said to Jesus, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice. Notice what he's saying. We're eyewitnesses. We saw His glory. We heard the Father speak from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. The text ends. Now, all of Peter's original readers and listeners to this passage knew the story that he was alluding to. But, you know, some of us may not, in our generation, may not have a clue what he's talking about. I mean, we hear that and we just kind of go, oh, but something must have happened. Yeah. Yeah. Some happened. It was pretty dramatic and extreme what took place. Peter was comparing, in this passage, comparing the glory of Jesus' powerful second coming when he shows up and it's like everything stops because of it globally. He was comparing that to the glory that he personally witnessed with his own eyes and the voice he heard with his own ears when Jesus was transfigured, transfigured right before his eyes on one occasion, some of you are familiar with that passage. When that took place, some of you aren't, though. He's alluding to the story that's told in Matthew 17. Let me just read a few verses here. It just kind of—I want you to try to picture this in your mind. It's more important that you picture it than you just track word for word with what I say. Try to imagine what it would have been like to be Peter, James, John standing on the mountainside as this takes place. Matthew 17, verses 1 and following. It's in the Gospels during the ministry earlier when, when Peter was younger. is when this took place. Six days later, the Bible says, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John, and led them up on a high mountain to be alone. The Bible doesn't tell us which one, though uh, we've got some ideas of what that might be. But it doesn't specify. Verse 2 continues, said, As the men watched... Okay, so... Were they imagining this? Is this something they heard someone else say? Just hang with me. I, no, is it, they watched it. They saw this. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun. Now let's just pause right there. Could have said, his face shone like a torch. It had been bright, Right? particularly if it's dark. He didn't say that. He could have said, his, his face shone like a campfire. Bigger, you know. But he didn't say that. What's he say? His face shone like the sun. Go outside, look at the sun. You won't do that very long. You just can't look at the sun. And it worked out well for you. So... Note to self, never stare at the sun. Public service announcement there. Don't stare at the sun. But Peter's saying, Jesus' face shone like the sun, and notice, and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared. Whoa! Reading it slow because I want it to sink in what was taking place here, that Peter, James, and John saw with their own eyes, heard with their own ears. Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Verse 4 tells us, Peter exclaimed, anytime this happens, just get ready. Peter says what comes to mind. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll I'll make three shelters as memorials. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them. So, you know, as he's saying these words, this cloud engulfs them, okay, is the picture. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And notice what he says, father says, listen to him. Listen to him. And then another one of those understated verses the disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. Kind of like Moses and Elijah did on other occasions in their lives as well. Then Jesus came over, touched them, get up, he said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus. And as they went back down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. A lot could be said at this point. Let me just say, they caught a glimpse, a premature glimpse, you might say, of Jesus' real identity. They saw just a veiled version of it on a mountainside. Can you imagine being an eyewitness to that? Can you imagine? Don't you think that every time Peter told that story, people began to think, wow, of God's awesomeness, and they began to think about Christ and began to think of his preeminence and began to think of his return one day? Don't you think that their faith in the midst of all of that was inspired? Don't you think that they were inspired to wrestle with things of Scripture and truth? And of course they were. It's one of the reasons that Jesus did it was to inspire them and to begin to reveal Himself to them. He knew, Jesus knew, what Peter came to know, and what we need to come to know, and that is that we all need to regularly hear, see, experience the testimony of God's presence and power. We need to experience it from the Bible. We need to experience it from one another's experiences. We need to, we need to experience it in our own personal lives on occasion. It's part of why, again church involvement, small groups become really valuable. Why? Because you're rubbing shoulders with other people. And God's not mute and silent or absent. He's at work constantly in your life and my life and our lives. And as we have opportunity to rub shoulders and kind of talk about the challenges and joys and the interventions of God in our lives, what's it do? It inspires faith. It's It's the kind of testimonies that we need to hear on a regular basis. It's a little different, but that's one of the reasons why Lori and I love taking people to Israel. Because the testimonial kind of experience that it is, not not just what happens to folks as they go, but, but what happens while you're there. You simply cannot stand in the garden tomb, which is empty, by the way, in case you were unaware of that, and not have your faith inspired. In fact, I would say, I was thinking about it this morning as I was kind of looking through my notes, I just thought, you know the truth is, this picture, while I love this picture doesn't do it justice because the tr- truth is the tomb's not empty anymore you're saying, what? what? throngs of people make it into this tomb every day from all over the world going and see where quite possibly Jesus did lay past tense but he's not there Consequently, it's fair game for all of us to go and look and go, wow, wow, could this be the place? And if this isn't the place of your preference, you can go to other ones. Here's what you will find. There is no tomb for Jesus, and there's been no lack of searching to find it by every skeptic on the planet for 2,000 years. It just isn't there. You see that? It does something inside of you. You can't stand in the Garden of Gethsemane. You can't stand on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. You can't stand on the bank or in the Jordan River where John the Baptist and Jesus baptized, where Elijah was caught up in a chariot of fire, where Israel crossed the Jordan River right at that same location. You can't be there and be the same. You just can't. The land itself testifies of the truth of this book and all that it tells us. Here's why this is valuable. Because all of us need to regularly be reminded of testimonies of faith like that. We need it. It's part of the difference between fake faith and real faith. You see, you got stuff going on in your own life like that and you're taking it in from other people's lives too and you're sharing this and it's it just does something to you over time So are you regularly listening to the testimony of Scripture? Are you regularly taking in the testimonies of other faith-filled believers? Are you regularly expressing in words or writing or in some way your faith-filled experiences? Maybe it's in a small group. Maybe it's with your family members. Maybe it's with people you work with or walk with or run with or do various other things. But every one of us needs to hear faith-filled testimonies from people of sincere faith. Peter mentions one more basic fact that's foundational to developing and sustaining a genuine growing faith. We've talked about testimonies of faith. We've talked about um, spiritual reminders and so forth. But here's the the third basic fact that's foundational. If we're going to develop our faith, and let me just add this word, sustain our faith in a genuine, growing way. We all need regularly to hear the words of the prophets. We could camp a long time on this part of what Peter has to say. But I want you to think with me, why are the words of the prophets so important? Why does the text specifically tell us to listen to the prophets? Here's why. Because God tells us, detail, tells us details about the future In advance, through the prophets. He tells us details about the future, about what's to come. In advance, through the prophets. And when we're familiar with what they've said, it does a lot of things. It strengthens our faith. It strengthens our faith in God and His plan, His promises, the fact that He's sovereign over all things, that... That he knows the end before the beginning? That he can tell us these things? That's why Peter goes on to say about the prophets in verse 19 this. He says, You must pay close attention to what they wrote. For their words are like a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns, which he's speaking of when Christ shows up on the scene... And Christ, the morning star, shines in your heart. So I need to ask you, how much attention have you been giving to reading, reflecting deeply on the writings of the prophets? Some of us would say, well, you know, I, I kind of listen to some of that stuff. Think about that at Christmas time. you know. I'm going to be born of a virgin and all these prophets, you know, that for unto us a son is born, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders and so on. I I listen to some of those things. I I pay attention to that. Or, Or maybe we think to ourselves, you know, I know that the Bible says that he will be buried in a rich man's tomb as a prophecy, you know, that was given hundreds of years before. And, of course, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man, offered his tomb for a place for Jesus to be buried. And on and on we could go. Hundreds of those kinds of prophecies given in advance. The future revealed in advance. Hundreds of years before the fact. What did those things do? They inspired the faith. They, they strengthened the faith. They grounded the faith of God's, shall we say, faithful. In our generation, though, we kind of go, well, I've, I've studied those things. I've kind of paid attention to some of them. But have you paid close attention to the writings of Daniel? Daniel. Isaiah, Ezekiel, John the Apostle, who wrote the book of Revelation? Have you, have you taken in the other prophets, the things that they say, not just about Jesus' first coming, but about what he has to say about now and to his return? You, do, you, do you even look at that? You think about it? I'm sure some of us would respond to my question by saying, you know, the writings of the prophets, truthfully, kind of make me feel creepy. Make me nervous, make me confused, make me fearful. Quote to me John 3.16 again. That's where some of us are, for God so loved the world. And we don't want to think about those other things. It's as though the Apostle Peter anticipated that kind of response from his readers and listeners. In his day and ours, because humans are the same. I mean, we like to make it out like they've evolved, but truthfully, we really haven't. I mean, we're, we're the same God's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and and we're kind of similar in a lot of ways. Not exactly, but man back then was very similar to man right now. Peter goes on to tell his readers, 2 Peter 1.20, he says, Above all, he says, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Or from human initiative. I mean, you know, the idea is that he just like thought, oh, I, I want to make this. I want to tell this. He's not, he's not making this stuff up. He goes on and says, no, those prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Peter's saying the writings of the prophets have been recorded for us, hear me, because God thinks it's important that we know what they said. It may make you feel squirrely Sometimes. But God, who's God, not you and me, okay? God thinks it's important for a reason. I may or may not grasp the reason, but what's important for me is to make myself available to understand and try to grasp as best I can with my limited knowledge. What's he saying? What are the implications for me? What are the implications for us Because not only will it be like a lamp shining the path to walk, but also it helps us to stand firm in our faith and inspires us as we see that God, you know what, it may look like chaos, it may look like the wheels are coming off, but you know what? God saw all of this in advance. And just as he had a plan to send his son the first time, guess what? He has a plan for sending his son a second time. Just as, he, just as he took care of all these other things in the past, he's going to take care of details that you and I just would fry our circuits if we tried to grasp them all. But, but you know what? God tells us some of those things because, in a way, he wants us to f- have some fried circuits and understand that he's God and we're not. This is a bigger deal. Than just humanly engineered stuff. Another reason why Peter wanted his spiritual students back then and now to pay close attention to what the prophets wrote. And that's because the rest of Peter's book, the rest of 2 Peter, chapter 2 and chapter 3, in one way or another, it's all prophecy. It's all prophecy. It's prophecy that we all need to know, prophecy that we all need to carefully think through and reflect on, try to get our minds around and understand, what's he talking about when he says this? Why this? What do I do about that? And as we continue the next four weeks, really, three weeks we're going to talk about guarding our faith, and the last one we'll talk about something else. But it's just important that we take this in, because Peter is saying you know the words of the prophets from the past the words of the prophets in his day are important as well his words i'll leave it at that we'll pick up there next week but i encourage you read second peter chapter 1 chapter 2 chapter 3 read it a few times reflect on it it'll raise some questions in your mind and then come with that in your mind as we do these next few weeks cuz we'll hit on address an awful lot of those things just encourage you if you're going to be gone tune in online Uh, I'm thrilled that you're there those of you who are listening online and if you have to be there be there but be here if you can it's better when we can rub shoulders with each other God tells us a number of important details about the future in the rest of this book that we really need to break down and understand we need to know this stuff let's stand together We're working our way through this again because it's important that our faith is not artificial like this flower arrangement. It needs to be the real thing. And an awful lot of what we're going to talk about is going to help us get there if you wrestle with it with us. I'm going to ask you before we uh, close in prayer, if you've never invited Jesus to be the the Lord, the Savior of your life, just encourage you this morning, open your heart to God. Open your heart to Him. He came the first time to do in his body, in his flesh, the one thing that he could not do sitting on a throne in the heavens. He came so he could die as a substitute for your sins and mine. And right now is a window of opportunity for all of us to humble our hearts and look heavenward and just say, thank you, Jesus. I don't deserve it. Forgive me, cleanse me, make me yours. Some of us need to do that you need to do that this morning you, just as we pray just open your heart to him so maybe some of us need to be baptized it's a physical expression of that request and that faith it's a declaration to God that I'm yours I'm dying to self as your Lord in the waters of baptism I'm being resurrected with Christ when you come up out of the waters it's, what the, it's all a picture of maybe you just need to look heavenward and declare those things through baptism as scripture teaches as Jesus appeals to us to do Maybe you need prayer for some other area of your life. Uh, just want to invite you to come on down afterwards, and uh, we'd love to love to pray for you about whatever. But there's one person that I want us to I want to invite to come down, and I'm going to pray for for this individual before we leave. And uh, Michaela, where are you? I know you're in here somewhere. Come up, come here, come here, come here, come here. Hurry, walk quickly, because <laughs> I've been blah blah blahing, as our guide would say, and. Uh, Everybody's tired of my blog. so let's. uh, We want to play for Michaela. She's leaving for uh, a summer mission trip, and uh, just going to be interesting place that you just need to pray for her for her summer, and pray for her mom and dad, who are a little nervous. So pray for them too. But we'll pray for you, and then uh, just thrilled, proud of you, and be praying for you, and uh, pray for you guys too. So let's bow our heads. We'll close in prayer, and if you need prayer for something, come on down afterwards. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness, your grace. And um, thank you that you, uh, you call us by your word and your spirit to walk in your ways. Thank you, Father, for Michaela and her desire to honor you and serve you and to reach out to people who don't know you. We just pray for your Holy Spirit to go with her, to guide, to go before her and behind her, guide and protect her, uh, walk with her, uh, give her wisdom and insight, and uh, be, be a shield, uh, a protection for her. But... Uh, In addition to all those things, we just pray that you would be so present with her, that people that she meets who don't know you, many of whom have never known you. Our request is that they might come to know you because of the sweetness of her spirit, because of the testimony of her faith, because you are with her. We'd ask for that in the name of Jesus for her and pray for her folks, too. who I know are nervous. Just ask God that you'll, uh, that you'll go with all of us in this way because we know that really we're in the world in which we live, the whole world is a mission field, every place. Our workplaces, <laughs> ball teams that we're a part of, everywhere we go, everywhere we go. So would you go with us? Would you empower us? Would you be with us to such a degree that people around us would know that you're there? And then help us to have the courage and faith to speak of your goodness as we have opportunity. Thanks for your grace, and thank you for this time together. May, may you help this book of your word to strengthen our faith and make it more genuine and authentic. It's in Christ's name that we lift this prayer together, and everybody agreed with me and said, Amen, Amen. Amen.